Greetings! Welcome aboard the Diecast Enterprise. This is Pags. And I'm Foley. And today we're going to be reviewing The Battle, Episode 8, Season 1. It's pretty exciting. It's our first look at the Stargazer in non-bisected format. Yeah, Picard's old ship. His first command, I believe. It was his first command. Mm-hmm. I'm not really clear on the history of Picard's commands. It's detailed piecemeal throughout the series. Because the Stargazer is the one we always hear about. I guess being his first command, it's the one that he reminisces about the most. I can't remember what he commanded after the Stargazer. There's only nine years between Stargazer and the Enterprise. So I have to wonder exactly what he did in the uh, in-between time where Starfleet was like, holy shit, this guy needs to be in charge of our flagship. Look how shiny his head is. There's a couple of ill-fated years on a Kairoscow. <laughs> well, isn't it obvious why they picked him to head the flagship of Starfleet? On, while during his time on the Stargazer, he came up with a maneuver. Oh, yes. A Picard maneuver. Yeah. The Picard maneuver. One of two. Yeah. The other Picard maneuver being the shirt tug. Yeah. But this, this the, the, more, space part of Picard the more practical Picard maneuver. You know, they show us the Picard maneuver in this episode, and it's not quite as impressive as I was expecting. Well, you didn't like that? Oh, no, no. I like it. I just think that they gave it to us in a less impressive manner because the whole point of the Picard maneuver is that for a split second, the ship appears to be in two places at once. Yeah. But in this episode, that split second is a really long split second. Well, and it's just long enough for your opponent to fire at the wrong place. It's... I think it's considerably longer, and it begs the question why your opponent would be firing at the wrong place if there are two images of the ship, and one image is where the ship used to be, and one image is where the ship is now. Why would you shoot at the one that had been... I don't know. It seems to me that anyone looking on the sensors would be like, wow, there are two of them. Point A is where he's been this entire time, and point B... I think it's more like you shoot, but he has time to dodge. He's basically just a way to get out of the way. I don't know. Whatever. It's a sweet way to dodge a volley of photon torpedoes or phasers. Could be, yeah. Isn't that good enough? It it is. I just wish we'd seen it displayed to us more effectively. Well, they really only showed it to us when Riker totally cock-blocked it. And that was an interesting thing. He's like, hey, Data, what's the counter to the Picard maneuver? And Data's like, there isn't one, bitch. And uh, Riker's like, better come up with one. It's like, no one else had bothered to formulate a counter to the Picard maneuver in the past decade? Well, as we're reminded yet again in this episode... It seems like most Starfleet officers aren't really known for their ingenuity most of the time. Or unless, like, the situation demands it, then they'll get creative. But if it's just independent stuff, they don't bother. As we're reminded by Wesley, who, I guess his first day as acting ensign, comes up with a way to boost sensor efficiency by some untold amount. To which Data is shocked by. Maybe that's a problem with the society of the future. That uh, we've lost all of our drive to innovate. We've become so complacent. Nobody's doing anything anymore. We're just flying around. Everything is so sweet. Like, why bother? Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean... I don't really think that's the case. I mean, there are <laughs> lots of counterexamples to that that we see throughout the series, but maybe, yeah. It's always been an issue with me with uh, Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future, which I like, but it's so optimistic as to be kind of uh, unrealistic. What do you want? You got replicators. You got unlimited candy bars. Like, I know, how, I know. How, far, how much further do you need to reach? That's the thing. Like, can it or would it really work? You, oh. <laughs> if, you, if you build a working utopia, yeah, you would live there, but 
I don't know. I'm on the fence about whether I really buy into. You want to have a big, you know, a big picture discussion about the philosophy <laughs> of the, the Roddenberry universe? <laughs> no, not right now. Maybe sometime. Like may, I, maybe if all like all three of our listeners demand it. Maybe yeah. Hi guys. I, I think it's probably fair to say that Starfleet's really focused on specific things, and for whatever reason, at least Earth society isn't too worried about expanding in other directions as a group. Awesome. Maybe they're probably individual outliers. We don't really see them too often. My only real experience of Earth life from Next Gen era is like, there's that one episode, of course, where Picard goes and visits his brother, but I don't really count that. Robert? Yeah. What I'm no. thinking about is Cisco's dad. The guy Love who... Cisco's dad. Yeah, doesn't he like run like a Cajun restaurant or something? Yeah, damn right. When I'm thinking of the Star Trek future, I'm thinking of Cisco's dad's restaurant and well, crotchety old Cisco Sr. Well, I mean, isn't he's that... A, isn't he's a grumpy that... man man, right? Like, I'm not remembering that wrong, am I? He's a pretty grumpy man. Yeah, okay. He's, he's really dedicated to his restaurant. That's his deal. Like, he lives in a world where he doesn't have to worry about really anything he doesn't want to, and that's what he wants to be doing yeah, his time. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? He's got a restaurant, but he doesn't have to worry about money or anything like that, so he's doing the restaurant for the love of cooking. He has to worry about people showing up. Maybe his metric for success is a little different than it might be in the 21st century. Yeah, he's not going to be in the position where, like, if nobody comes to his restaurant, he'll be ruined. Spiritually, he might be ruined. So nobody likes my cooking. Fuck. I think we're getting way off track here. Are we? We're like in DS9 talking about a Cajun restaurant. We're talking about 24th century living. When we should be talking about the battle. Okay. Hey, is the Ferengi are back? Yeah. With their super furry stripy Uggs. Still when they talk on the view screen, they keep blanking out the background of it. Mm -hmm. You can't see their bridge. Still, I wonder why. Maybe the interior of a Ferengi ship is like the Apple Store. It's a secret. Or at least what I imagine the Apple Store looks like. I've only ever seen an Apple Store on TV because we don't have them here. Maybe they're really embarrassed about what the bridge looks like. Maybe they don't have a command bridge like the Federation does. Maybe he, like he's talked to them from, I don't even know, maybe the ship is piloted from like the kitchen or something. Yeah, maybe there's like a phone booth or like PB's yeah. <laughs> Playhouse where you had that uh, picture phone booth and you just sit inside and you can yeah. pull, pull down whatever background you want behind you. That's the only communication place on the bridge. Do you think like the crew of the Enterprise, did they reciprocate in kind when they communicated visually with the Ferengi? Like did they white out the background? I don't think so. So just because they, they want the Ferengi to see their sweet ride. I guess so. They're not embarrassed about uh, their But bridge. that does bring up something that we were noticing in the episode when uh, they first opened their communication with the Ferengi and... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The Ferengi's like, we would like to discuss this in person. Uh, your place or mine? At which point Deanna turns to... Troy, uh, of all people, yeah. Yeah, Deanna Troy turns to Tasha Yar and gives that kill signal, like the slash across the throat with the hand and... They cut it off. Yeah, they just cut communication. It's like what? And Picard's not even pissed that. Yeah, like, exactly. Troy, like, did, didn't Troy just like speak out of turn there? Like a little bit, yeah. And it's not though. It just seems like a really weird way to uh, conduct ship to ship communication. It's like, okay, I have posed you a question, and all of a sudden my screen goes blank because you have essentially hung up on me, and now I have to sit you there know, wondering what the fuck is going on. It's until really, you message me back. It's really not any different than text messaging today. I send you a message. Hey, when are we going to record the podcast? And then like, an hour later you get back to me. Well, it's a little different from text messaging in that instead of, like, just receiving a text, you're watching somebody talk to you. I guess. Like, if I text you, and I do, and whenever I text you, I am aware that I might not get a response within an hour or that day or ever. You didn't respond to my last text, you jerk. That's what I do. 
It was a good one, too. Weren't you excited? I didn't know what we're talking about. You don't even <laughs> remember, do you? I don't know what we're talking about. Well, here, I'm going to read you the last text I sent you, and we'll see, one, if you remember it, and is two, how excited. Topic? No, no. This is right damn on topic, because this was amazing, and I was so surprised that you didn't get back to me, because this was awesome. Holy shit, there's an arcade clacks machine on used Victoria. Oh yeah, I didn't even know what to say about that. Well, I thought you'd be super excited because... Well, I read it hours later. Well, remember, it was the 90s, and there was a time for clacks. Okay, so here's what happened. <laughs> I was about to write back, but then my my ship's counselor cut off communication. <laughs> yeah, but you get what I mean. Like, There's a difference between text communication where, you one, you can't see whether the person has actually received the message and read it, Yeah. versus talking to someone who you're looking at, and then just having like the screen go blank it, and like it came off as a little rude yeah it's like are they mad at me did i say something wrong was it my teeth it was your teeth demon bach yeah he's a weird looking guy i guess this must be standard ship to ship communication but to me it seemed unreasonable like well, I w- just, I isn't, just isn't the way we do things yeah i would have yeah. expected a uh, a one moment please damon and then cut communication Right. Anyways, they get back to Damon Bach. They're, and they're like, like, come on over, bro. Yeah, and he's like, absolutely, we will see you in one Earth hour. And then as soon as they hang up again, they're like, wow, he agreed to that way too easily. The fuck are you talking about? He, he's the one who gave you the options. If he didn't want to well, come over there, he would have insisted on you coming over to his vessel to discuss the matter. We're supposed to think they still barely know anything about the Ferengi, right? Like, the la- the first time the Federation made direct contact with them, supposedly, was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's another issue. Like, how far after uh, the last outpost does this episode uh, take place? I don't know. I assume that was, I don't know, not very long ago. I, I One, I can't decipher star dates, and two, I don't care. It's not fun to look into the star Dates. That's getting into, like, super nerd territory. What, are you telling me you don't know the present Earth Day in Stardate? You can't just translate that? No, I can't. Know. That's getting into learning how to speak Klingon territory and stuff. It's, uh... What, you mean keeping it real? <laughs> we already know you're a Klingon hater. You'd never do that. Oh, God, again? Really? Yep. So, he comes over to the ship. They beam, the three Ferengi beam right onto the bridge. Yeah, that was interesting. With their Ugg boots. Cool new HD Ferengi and transporting their, uh, technology. And their cranial kilts. Oh, yeah, that's what you're calling their, um, their head the head skirt cranial kilt i don't know there must be a name for them i don't know what I'm, it is i'm sure there must be yeah. they got that weird kind of drapery around the back of their skull these guys ones are metallic mm-hmm. perhaps because they're in the military maybe are they military i don't i don't know, know if the ferengi actually even have a military per se i think all of their ships are like primarily trading yeah vessels, like I, I think they're merchant marines or something i don't know I'm not sure i mean their vessel is armed it's like yeah yeah i don't know how that works for the ferengi not sure. Whatever. You know, I mean, I'm bald. I could wear... You could wear one of those. Do you think I should? Yes. Yes? Okay, yes. I'm going to look into that. Maybe next episode. Well, not next episode, because we're going to record the next episode right after we finish recording this episode. But the episode after that, maybe I'll be wearing... You can make it a like, shiny material. My you have your choice. Like, maybe I could make that a thing. Like, I could open an Etsy store and... Ferengi cats? Yes. <laughs> well, I wouldn't call them that. I'd, I'd come up with, like, a good name for them and, like, you know, it'd just mm-hmm. be a new bald fashion. Now... You could do it. What do you think? Should be some manner of adhesive that keeps it on? How or? do they do that even on the show? Yeah. I, I, well, I'm sure, like, it's part of well, the okay, well, we appliance, see, like, right? Because, like, they have elongated heads. I, I'm not talking about how the actor does it. I'm talking about how the Ferengi does it. Oh, okay. So, like, obviously, we've seen Ferengis that don't have them, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, the Quark never wears one. Doesn't he? I'm... No. No, okay. No, I'm never. Fine. But maybe I'm thinking, maybe, like, if you're really committed to it, like, maybe they get, like, uh, some sort of, like, Velcro backing implanted into their skull. 
well, oh, so they can just attach it right or on. Or maybe, maybe it's got like a frame and it just kind of pinches onto the head. Oh, that would hurt. Yeah, well, you know, like, I mean, maybe not all that much like a headband does like... Maybe, yeah. You know, for hair, you know, because it's just made of material. It's kind of, it's got a little bit of give so you can slide it onto the head. You just slide it onto the back of the head. I think adhesive would like irritate the skin. Yeah, when I make my uh, new uh, venture here. Oh, when you make one. I, I think you should just go with the implanted Velcro strip. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, I could just let my hair grow in a little bit, you know. Clip it on? Yeah, and well, my hair is Velcro-like enough as it is right now. All right. You know, it's short. But then that demands a lot of upkeep and maintaining the correct length of hair. So the Velcro strip's easier. Yeah, yeah. I'll think about it. Magnet. Coming soon, Cranial Kilts by yours truly. We'll engineer it up and give it Cranial Kilts by Pags. All right, so they present uh, Picard and with the Stargazer. Yeah. And Damon Box all talking about the Battle of Maxia. And Picard's all like, what the fuck are you talking about? What's, what's that? And the Battle of Maxia is basically... The Stargazer encountered an unknown vessel. Which turned out to be Ferengi. And Picard blew that shit up. Yeah, it was a sneak attack on, on the Stargazer. It was the end of the Stargazer. Like, they were forced to abandon ship. Not before they pulled a Picard maneuver, though. Nope, nope. This all happened nine years ago, and yet everybody else on the crew seems to know of this famous maneuver because they read about it while they were at Starfleet Academy? I guess. Yeah, maybe, maybe like a, Jordy says that. Maybe he's the only one that's uh, that much of a greenhorn. I don't know. Nine years. I mean, that's a reasonable amount of time, I guess. Like, presuming that... The well, Picard- how far into their careers are all these people? Yeah, that's the question, right? Like, uh, Data like, has... Well, Data's 20 years in now, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. The Picard maneuver would have been uh, well after his time at the Academy. Yeah. Jordy, maybe. Well, I could Jordy's see- the one that says it. So presumably, yeah, and he's still yeah. wet behind the ears. I, I, I presume that Starfleet personnel are required to keep up to date on stuff like. <laughs> this just in. There was a maneuver. <laughs> well, I mean, shit happens to us. You're in a particular field and you'll sure, go to a conference yeah. to be brought up to date on the, the latest shit. Sweet starship You moves. know, like, I mean, shit, like, back in 1998 when I did my, my MCSE, that shit's ancient now. Everything I learned back then is, like, totally out of date. All right, okay. And if I had not, and I didn't, but if I had followed that career path, presumably over the years I would have continued to be taking recertifications on like the newest shit to keep my certification up to date and I assume it's the same for Starfleet personnel like I assume the engineering staff consistently have to either go to conferences or at least check them out online or by telepresence or whatever to stay up to date with the latest in engineering and uh, warp propulsion I guess so I mean hell we even there are episodes where there's an episode where Jordy is off to one of these conferences yeah, yeah. and gets captured by the Romulans. I guess I was more talking about the fact that it's, he says it's at Starfleet Academy. They mm-hmm. read about it at the Academy. Yeah, it makes sense. You're right. Everybody says they updated down in their career. I presume Starfleet Academy is where these informations and seminars and whatnot would no be way. coming from, too. No way. No. Not all the time. Why the Academy? There's Starfleet Command. And well, yeah, but... There's an engineering core. And uh, the, the Academy, I assume, is the educational component of... Starfleet. So like, for cadets though, for not for everybody. Like I, I always assumed that Starfleet Academy is where you would learn this shit, you know? Like you would learn how to be a Starfleet officer, but you would also learn like if you were in like engineering or whatnot, you would learn your engineering shit. Um yeah. Well So yeah. Picard is presented with the Stargazer and they go over to take a look and Picard's like, shit's cray, I'm gonna go check out my room. Oh yeah, he goes back, he's like, Let me see if I left any pornos in there. Yeah, whatever it is he get, does. Like his action figure collection and whatnot. Oh, that'd be awesome if you left some of those behind. 
Oh, yeah, we forgot to mention Picard's been having a headache. Which is very rare, according to Dr. Crusher. Yeah, Dr. Crusher makes some really interesting claims about the state of health care. Yeah, people people don't get headaches. They've they've mastered the common cold. They understand pain fully. Yeah, they fully mapped the human mind now. They understand (coughs) the nature of pain. Sounds good. Yeah, apparently a headache is a rare thing. But Picard is... Picard's got one. He even refers to it as a mild headache as it renders him incapable of speech and he has to like hold his head and close his eyes now it doesn't seem pretty mild it doesn't seem very mild I've had many a headaches I was in my youth prone to migraines I've run the whole gamut of uh, yeah but but remember you're used to having headaches yeah so like just shake off something minor he's never experienced it in the light in his life he doesn't know what's going on okay so are you saying that he does have a minor headache but he's just so incapable of dealing with the pain that I'm basically calling him a big baby or are you saying that he doesn't know what a minor headache is so he thinks this headache that's severe enough to make him lose his capacity for speech is minor I'm just calling him a baby okay yeah you're right he might he might like not understand that headaches don't get any worse than what he's got. Maybe he's got a really bad one. To me, I would not call that the symptoms he was displaying a minor headache. I would consider Maybe. that a fairly substantial headache. Well, who's the baby now? Hmm? I, I, no, just kidding. Picard goes to his room and has another headache attack. And the memories of uh, his time with the Stargazer start to become... Mm-hmm. And it eventually it's revealed that like this is all through like machinations of Damon Bach, who's using forbidden technology. I don't know whether it's Ferengi technology or just technology that Ferengis are uh, yeah. aware of. They don't really make that clear. But uh, I, I think we're supposed to think he traded for it. From- yeah, he says that he spent his life savings to procure these two devices. These two red orby things. To, uh, exact one, of them is hidden, one of them hidden not so subtly in Picard's trunk of things on the Stargazer. Yeah, which Beverly uh, helpfully has sent over to the captain's room and no one bothers to check that there's nothing. Yeah, the thing is making a really loud like humming noise. Are we supposed to think that that's imperceptible? And apparently Worf is the one who transferred over the items. He's just been helpful. Didn't notice, I guess. Probably wants the sorb. <laughs> Won't ask what it is. Might be something embarrassing. Yeah. But yeah, apparently in the Battle of Maxia, Picard killed Damon Bach's son. So this whole thing is a revenge plot. And these orbs are basically fucking with Picard's brain, implanting ideas and memories and thoughts and basically commands into his brain so that uh, at the appointed time, Picard will reenact the Battle of Maxia with the Enterprise playing the role of the uh, unknown vessel. Right. Thus assuring Picard gets destroyed in the process, I guess. Yeah, I guess Damon Bach's assumption is that the Enterprise will be forced to kill Picard or that they would just do that. You know, it's unclear whether Damon Bach... I don't know why he didn't just kill him. Like, he had plenty of chances. Yeah, exactly. Like, when they were alone together aboard the Stargazer, which he beamed off of while the shields were up, no problem, despite the fact that minutes before this, Riker was talking about how they couldn't beam Captain Picard back from the Stargazer because its shields were up. And then at the end of the episode, they beam Picard off the Stargazer while its shields are up. So whatever. Presumably put them, turn them off at that point. I, I guess so. So one thing I miss is like Picard... When you cla- were sleeping? I, I wasn't sleeping. I was thinking about the episode with my eyes closed. <laughs> yes. So how did the orb, how did the mind control the orb get back over to the Stargazer? Oh, that one Damon Bach brought with him. Oh, he brought it over. Okay. Yeah, okay. that was the one Damon Bach had been using. So right. when he beamed over with Picard, 
card, he sets it up himself. He's there holding it. Uh, mm. He turns it up to full blast, puts it in its spot, and uh, leaves Picard to his doom. I don't understand why that, this is the the revenge he wanted. I, yeah, it's uh, a little weird. Again, I guess it's it's not fair to compare it to what the Ferengi become later. But like, there's no way this is the type of this is there's no way like a Deep Space Nine era Ferengi would go for this type of revenge. I guess it seems okay in season one, like retroactively looking at it. That's what I mean. There's yeah. no Ferengi that would ever one exact revenge in that way and two seek revenge over what happened yeah no, totally like Damon Bach would have like foreclosed on Robert's winery right the Picard yeah. family he would steal all his assets and yeah, if ruin he, him financially yeah, if he felt the need for revenge and didn't feel just embarrassed that his son got killed so stupidly well yeah that's who knows you know but whatever revenge is revenge is revenge so yeah the episode is, like you said, it's our first look at the Stargazer, a ship that we're going to learn a lot more about in future episodes. Yeah, it's our second uh, encounter with the Ferengi, and it's certainly a lot better than our first encounter with the Ferengi. They have settled down quite a bit. No mad gesticulations. There's a little just a little bit of just A L- little bit, but not a lot. Uh, there's a lot of hunching still and kind of swaying from side to side that uh, I'm not really sure what that's supposed to be in aid of, like why the director's like, this is have Ferengi move. Yeah, they're still kind of like chimps or hyenas or something. Yeah, like they seem to have some pretty severe uh, spinal problems. They really do away with that much largely over time. Yeah. Because it's really silly. These Ferengi seem considerably more level-headed than the Ferengi that we encountered last time. Even insofar as, you know, the the relationship that's developed between the first officers, between uh, Riker and the first officer of the Ferengi ship, whose name I can't remember. Right, I mean, they ultimately, they just, the, the Ferengi on the ship more or less mutiny against Bach because... Yeah, or they they relieve him of command for this unprofitable venture. Yeah, which is, that's legit. And also, you know, the possession and use of forbidden technology. But, I mean, he largely is wasting their time. Like, their mission is more or less to seek profitable ventures. Yeah, yeah, their mission is to profit the Ferengi Empire. Is it an empire? It's an alliance. The Ferengi Alliance, yeah. So, they seem to be more business-minded and level-headed this time out than they were Mm -hmm. in our first encounter with them, where they seem to be, like, one step removed from flinging their own feces. Maybe that's what they're doing on the bridge. Maybe that's why they, they white it <laughs> Maybe out. Maybe that's why they got the whited out background. Yeah. That's gross. Yeah, it was a decent episode. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what I would rate it. Um, I might give this a... Uh, because I mean, while it's a decent episode, compared to what's coming, it's still pretty... Yeah. <laughs> you can say that about basically all of season one and two. I would be hard-pressed to give anything in season one anything more than a lieutenant commander. Yeah, I'm going to go with junior lieutenant for this one. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too, junior yeah. lieutenant. There's nothing awful in it. It's not an objectionable episode. It's not one of those episodes that brings up some severely lacking part of Starfleet uh, operations or whatnot. Like, there's no confining somebody to sick bay and having them walk around and infect no. the entire crew. Nothing like that. There's Let's break down some of the minutiae. Sure. I want to talk about the headaches some more. Okay. Why the hell don't people in the 24th century get headaches? Because they've mapped the brain, my friend. What do you think is going on that they can suppress that? Like, okay, she says they've defeated the common cold. So are they saying that people never become infected with a cold or that as soon as they have it, they know how to deal with it? You know, I'm not sure. I can tell you from uh, what I've read on Wikipedia that (laughs) the cold virus is not always the same virus. It's It's a a a constantly changing thing, which... 
which right. is why we've never cured the common cold. Well, we don't have a, we can't vaccinate it against it because exactly. it's not just one thing. So, like, I mean, you can deal with the symptoms pretty easily, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe that's what she means, or does she mean they really like they figured out every permutation of it and anything that it could potentially? It's, mutate I, I think into? it's I think it's the first. I think it's that they I, can now effectively deal with the symptoms almost instantaneously. Right. So, so I, I don't I don't think they've got a, va- a vaccine for the common cold. Yeah, I think they can just detect it and basically kill it immediately. So if how you do get, you, so how do you think they do that? Hypospray. So you think like anytime you feel shitty, you just go for a hypospray? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if they can do it with a hypospray, then why not like just put it in everybody's food or in the air? Well, I, get, I think it has to be tailored. Maybe. So like you go in there, they tricorder you up, they brew up whatever it is they're going to hypospray you with, and then mm-hmm. they do it. Mm. I could still ask for that via my or my, maybe my they, Earl Grey tea, couldn't I? Yeah, maybe, maybe the maybe, maybe you can the, adjust it though. Maybe all the food is uh, enriched with uh, <laughs> immuno boosters, you know. Maybe. So m- maybe in the 24th century, we've all got like like these motherfucking monster immune, immune systems. systems. Nothing gets in. Yeah, maybe isn't there an episode of Star Trek about that? Uh yeah, in the second season with Pulaski, there's this oh, uh, yeah. planet. These scientists have engineered these children. And yeah, they kill everybody. Yeah, <laughs> the super immune system actually sends out airborne antibodies to kill viruses in the environment. And right. what it does is it, it came into contact with like some permutation of flu that the last uh, cargo ship had brought by. Right. And uh, when their immune system attacked that thing, it basically mutated it, and now it makes anyone who catches it age to death. Um, well, first of all, spoiler alert for season two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that Sorry. sounds pretty cool. No, it's fine. <laughs> so I, I don't in think... In my defense, that episode came out nearly 20 years ago. <laughs> Whatever. Now no one's going to watch it. <laughs> Damn it. Everybody is watching along with us. That's yeah, how this is working. This no. is live. Totally. Podcast I, I, is live. I, I swear. Everybody who's listening to our podcast, they like it so much that what they do is they watch the episode first and then they listen to us. Look, don't you think I know how the internet works? I think you do. Okay. Thank All you. Right. All right. So, okay. So I, I'm, I'm ruling out like super, super aggressive immune systems mm-hmm. for everybody on the ship. That's, it seems, this seems just too dangerous. And, but I could see, yeah, like maybe <laughs> people go in for like inoculations anytime they feel any symptoms yeah but exactly and so what about the headaches though yeah that's the thing is like headaches as far as i know aren't caused by uh, okay well let's just stick with our boy jlp right yeah so as we know he's a noted from one might even say abuser of tea yeah he drinks a lot of tea and i'm gonna assume he's drinking caffeinated tea since it's earl gray i don't yeah, think yeah. he's uh going for any like decaf brand or yeah. type so you can get caffeine headaches if nothing else that would just happen as a matter of course are they just saying that anybody who experiences the symptom of a headache for any reason, they just suppress the I think, pain immediately with I think some it's type just of medication? A poorly written piece. It was clearly meant to imply that uh, 24th century medical technology is dope. It probably is. But they failed to take into consideration the actual causes of headaches and how many of them are completely impossible to avoid. Well, again, maybe it's the same as with colds, where they they can deal with any symptoms really easily, Mm -hmm. I suppose. But that would still mean that... It would probably mean that... I mean, assuming someone came in complaining of a headache and they're like, oh, we can deal with the pain, they didn't investigate any further. Then somebody went up lightly about their job and then just keeled over from a brain tumor. But maybe they would screen it out somehow. Yeah, I think it's just a poorly written line. Like they they probably shouldn't have said that because you can't follow up with it. You can't uh, 
Yeah. Because if she's not seen a headache before, that implies that a headache is something that they could cure, like, completely. You know, people just don't get them anymore. It implies that headaches were caused by something else that was... Yeah, I don't know, yeah. It's like, no. We, we all have a headache virus that none of us are aware of, and every so often it flares up and hey, gives maybe, us a headache. Maybe it is the 24th century. There may, have been, there may have been some medical revelations between now and then. It's true. People didn't think ulcers were caused by uh, bacteria or whatever it is, infection for a long time, but they are. Oh. I thought, uh, I thought they were, like caused by like a small goblin or gnome that was living in the pit of your stomach. Oh, sorry. Did I say did I say infection? Because I meant gnome. Any other thoughts you want to... I wanted to talk a little bit about hyposprays and how they work. Well, it's... Because we constantly see them administering them through clothing. I don't know if you know this. We actually have them today. All you have to do, go get... Go to any hardware store and get a can of spray paint. Hold it two millimeters away from your skin and then just press the button down. And then you hyposprayed yourself with uh, with paint. So just in the in the future, they're just filled with life giving um, anti cold medication. Yeah, yeah, don't try it. Now, like as a uh, disclaimer here, don't try anything. Fully ever tells you to try. Legal disclaimer. Whatever. I don't want to get sued. Fine. You can get sued if you want. No, I'm good. Fully takes full responsibility for all medical advice he dispenses on this program. I think I read in a uh, technical manual that the hypospray is actually like a jet of liquid or like... That penetrates the skin? Like it yeah. gets into the blood system? Yeah. I mean, they're using this instead of a needle, a syringe. Yeah, right? exactly. So when they press it up against your clothing, basically it's going through the fabric of your clothes and then through the... Through perme- the skin? <laughs> yeah, through the permeable layer of your skin. All right. That's my understanding. But like, would that hurt? Presumably not. None of these people seem to react as if it's hurt. Yeah. I guess this is... Is there a numbing agent involved? It's part of the hypospray, you know? Don't forget they've mastered pain. Oh, right. Maybe it's excruciatingly painful. (laughs) It's just as suppressed immediately. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I don't know. Hypospray is... uh, We should... uh, 24th century medicine is a bit of a mystery. It is, you know? I like this idea. I like this idea that they... um, Yeah, they they never have to... It's basically a super concentrated super soaker. Well, they never, like... You think about the other times we see surgery, right? Like, we know people are put under, quote-unquote, for surgery, Mm -hmm. but it's not anesthetic. Yeah, they, they, they put those neuro things on your head, like those square deals that uh, Picard was wearing when he was sleeping in this episode. And sometimes you see them spray people, like to to yeah. put them under in different scenarios. But yeah, maybe they're not. Maybe they're just suppressing their ability to experience the pain. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of medical stuff that'll be coming up over the next uh, seven seasons. The medical gowns that we see them wear, like the, those weird red suits that oh, they wear. I fight my crusher's cardigan. No, no, no. I mean like. The the full-on surgery gowns when they all... Yeah, those are sweet. They're, they're, they're reds, I guess. Yeah, they, why not? Like, and with those weird, like, hat things, too. Surely, like, I mean, surgery is messy, right? Or it can be. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're doing some invasive procedure, there's still going to be blood and guts everywhere. The sick bay has carpet. Yeah. Like, are they worried at all about getting blood on the carpet? Maybe, uh, maybe the future has really effective, like, carpet cleaning Bissell technology. Bissell steam cleaners? Yeah, the Bissell is, like, way out of date now. Like, I mean, this is... I want, the, I want to say the 24th century Roomba. I'll bet the carpet is specifically designed to be... To be blood absorbent? To that point, then. Yeah, clearly no one's worried about blood and guts splattering everywhere, because as yeah. you say, they're, they seem to be able to clean it up really easily. But wouldn't that, in a, in a sense, then lend everyone to a really cavalier attitude towards making a mess during any procedure? Like, yeah. I mean, if you don't have to worry about the repercussions of making a mess, wouldn't you think, like, somebody would come in for some procedure and Crusher would just be like, you know, up to her elbows and guts. <laughs> 
Gosh, I, no. Because why not? Like, it's just so easy to clean up. Mm-hmm. But we never see that either. But then again, we never really see any, like, really... I guess Worf we, delivers that baby. Yeah, but... There's, there's no, no mess there, which no is mess super there. unrealistic. But Ke- Keiko is just very, uh, very clean. Yeah, yeah. There's also Worf's spinal surgery. Oh, yeah, that's a perfect example. Yeah, because right. so, we see him opened up. What could be more invasive or messy than replacing someone's spinal cord? And there's no blood and guts anywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's very clean. I don't know how they did it. Maybe the suits just... Maybe mm-hmm. it does it on contact. Same with the clothes they're wearing. I mean, that's what the red gowns are all about. They're made of the same material. Yeah, yeah. They should make out the material... Like, remember that episode of The Simpsons? Uh, a space-age uh, material made specifically for Elvis. Sweat actually cleans the suit. <laughs> awesome. Actually, just watched that episode recently. Okay, that's another point, though. Um, that that whole idea of sweat cleaning suits. Mm-hmm. What the hell happens? Do people reek on the Enterprise? Like, I what do they know. do for personal hygiene? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious about that myself because, like, there are episodes where you can see sweat stains on the uh, for sure, yeah, on their uniforms, and it's not becoming at all. Like, I mean, I am looking forward to season three when we get away from these lycra suits, right, <laughs> and move on to yeah. wardrobe that doesn't show sweat stains. Okay, but you think about the enterprise like it's a really like presumably people maybe sweat does clean those suits that'd be rad it, well, what maybe about like char- activated charcoal woven into the uh but dig this dig this i'm digging like, so the enterprise isn't there aren't just there's people from not only like different cultures on the ship but also different planets mm-hmm. different species now like what would be considered a neutral odor for you or i might be completely different for a different species yeah yeah like the way that cats hate how humans smell which is why exactly when you pet a cat they're constantly grooming themselves it's because they're trying to rid themselves of human stain. So think about if, like, if you're... Uh, let's not pick up the Klingons again. Um, <laughs> although Worf's is the easiest target. I mean, I really doubt that Klingon's sense of personal hygiene and odor is the same as the humans. Yeah, well, remember, like, right? they ask Worf, you know, like, if he ever goes swimming, and he's like, it's too much like bathing yeah. to indicate that Worf doesn't bathe. So right. presumably Worf smells awesome all the time. He probably has a sense of what smells awesome, and to, and to him it's probably really different than, like, what you or I would consider mm. awesome. True, true. Klingon aftershave, for example, might smell like, I don't know, charred cow bones or something, or like <laughs> burning flesh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be anything, right? And that would be like totally appropriate and polite in Klingon circles, but mm-hmm. would smell god awful to everybody else. And maybe he feels the same way about the smell of Drakkar Noir or whatever Picard's wearing. Yeah, I don't know. No, I, I expect by the 24th century they're not wearing any um, odor like like. Well, then everyone just smells like pit stank all the time. Or like, do they have a solution no, to that? By, by the 24th century, I'm sure that. Uh, deodorant technology has reached the point where they can effectively neutralize odor without just masking it with something else. So do you think the absence of any odor is the way to go? I would say so. Like, like you're well, saying, I mean, like just people he- smell of stuff, even if you don't, even if you like suppress the most offensive smells. Like mm-hmm. the cat example is perfect, right? Yeah. Like, the cat thinks you smell bad whether or not you're freshly bathed or not. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like you're smelling your quote unquote most neutral. It's got to be, this has got to be true for every all the other species on the ship too. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering like maybe on a Starfleet vessel they have, do they just ignore this or do they have some way to deal with it? I don't know. Maybe there's like a really advanced ventilation system that's just... Maybe. Like maybe the air recyc is such that like it's constantly being passed through like active charcoal filters and HEPA filters and stuff to make the air as clean and as odor neutral as possible. And maybe Starfleet uniforms are part of that process. Maybe Starfleet uniforms are designed to, you know, like when you're sweating to okay, so absorb that- and neutralize those odors and that sounds great on paper yeah. but I think that idea would suck in practice because you got to dedicate all the ships all of these ship resources to keeping this happening mm-hmm. it seems that seems really impractical if anything goes wrong like in a way 
emission, for example, all of a sudden everyone's having to deal with like this ungodly stench. Like, fuck, mm-hmm. Worf stinks. Jesus, for example. So mm-hmm. maybe like, I think it's two options that are much simpler. One is it's just standard policy to tell everybody to suck it up and get used to it because that's mm-hmm. the more inclusive way to go. Yeah. Or standard Starfleet issue deodorant. Yeah. That by, by committee, they picked a particular smell and that's what everybody has to deal with. Yeah. And that's part of being, that's part or of being an officer. Like part of being a, in Starfleet, you gotta yeah. wear this. Maybe, maybe when you join Starfleet, maybe your scent glands are eradicated. You just burn them off? Yeah. You know, oh, I you, love it. You just have surgery or whatever. Yeah, okay. Let's go you with know, that. Like, like they, they bring you in and they just deactivate your scent glands. So like now, like you could sweat a fucking waterfall out of your pits. Nice. And they won't smell of anything because you've been descented. That's you know, like really descenting a skunk. That seems really final. That seems like something like the Romulans would do. Yeah. Maybe maybe, the, maybe in the Federation they just did give you some temporary genetic thing to yeah. modify it. Well, so like, then everybody does smell the same. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I'm saying, like, when we were talking about the deodorant. I think that, like you say, the, the standard deodorant is probably it. And I expect deodorant technology is at the point where they can create... I like your cre- idea way better, though. Yeah. Like, it's instead of a deodorant, it's just a standard genetic modification to your yeah. scent glands to make them smell a particular way. Yeah. So everybody smells like, you know, polished leather. Yeah. <laughs> Or whatever. <laughs> Rich mahogany. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh... Okay. Um, All right, and there it is. Yeah. Um, an episode where we talked about pit stick. Yeah. Join us next time when we'll do um, the, whatever the next episode is. Absolutely. We'll see you next time. 